You are now listening to Voices Rising Press Podcast. I'm Shelly. And I'm Sarah. We are two writers, mamas, and soul sisters who created this space for personal growth, fellow writers, and people who aspire to live an open-hearted, authentic life. Every Wednesday morning, we put out a new podcast episode and talk about life, parenting, writing, books, current events, upcoming publications. We interview fellow authors and so much more. We are more than just a publishing company. We strive to be a community of connected, creative, real people who speak our truth. We appreciate all of you listeners and are always looking for new suggestions and ideas. Please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and a review. Let us know more about what you are interested in hearing. Voices Rising Press podcast. Today we're going to be talking about mindfulness, motherhood, and multitasking. Mm, the three N's. Yes. Very good. And today is the beautiful day. I've got my windows open. Hopefully we don't have loud landscaper noises, but yeah, we might. We're, we might. We're just at Sarah's house. We're just real people doing real things. Yep. It has been us. So hot. And today is like overcast in the 70s. It's so beautiful. It is muy beautiful. So I guess we should like address what they are. What's what we mean by mindfulness especially. Right. Because as Sarah was saying, I know mindfulness is a trigger word for you. And it just is because I just think I think of like a mind that's full and maybe it's like full of garbage. And I think so many of us have a mind that is so full of thoughts. And I don't want more thoughts. Right. So like, how do we, like for me, breaking that is that mindfulness to me is just being present, being aware of what's happening around me. Right? Yeah. And I think that it's just a word, you know, that people use to describe it. I don't think it means to me, like putting your mind into the situation, putting your awareness into every moment, like moment by moment awareness. Yes. And... I think so much of our life we tune out in your book you talk about that of just going through life kind of on autopilot mm -hmm. and just ah, I'm going to work this is normal I'm driving on the same drive I'm and autopilot reactions too as I I wrote about in my most recent blog is like questioning that and saying wait what is really happening like kind of putting your awareness in that like what is going on right. Well, and there is this part of the brain that I talk about in my book called the basal ganglia. I think it's the ganglion or ganglia. Ganglia, yeah. And it's the part of our brain that literally just allows us to do things on like autopilot. I don't know if you've ever heard of like somebody who maybe has like dementia or Alzheimer's, how they can not remember people, but they can remember like functions. Like I mm -hmm. had a client when I did hair many years ago. And her grandfather would escape their house like every day for 45 minutes, no matter what anyone would do if they tried to lock the doors and like keep an eye on him, he would escape. And when he was before his mind started going, he would take this walk, this path around his neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And one time the, my client like found him and she followed him and he was just taking his path. And just like he'd done it a million times, he just took his path. And then he returned into the house and then he sat in his chair. But then when he goes to get up and remember where the peanut butter is, he couldn't remember the peanut butter. Because that had that changed. Part of the yeah. brain remembered where he was walking. That's, right? yeah, that's so interesting. I remember I just read the, or listened 
I guess I'm more like halfway through this book called um, The Power of Habit, Why We Do What We Do. This is awesome, that book. And so it's written by Charles Duhigg, D-U-H-I-G-G. Oh, okay. Um, so it's on Audible, but I've been listening to it. And I they, they got to this part about the brain, which is really interesting. And they were talking about this guy who, just like that, he like had dementia but he could remember every old habit that he'd done for 20 years, but they had moved and he kept going back to his old neighborhood. Oh, they kept like, he kept escaping and going back and they would find him like wandering around lost and looking for his old house. And, um, oh, but, <laughs> you know, it's like, right. It's like, Oh, that's like, that's the part. And it's interesting too, of like that habit will sink things down into that deep, deep part of your brain. The more you do it. Yes. And so that's why like the habit of mindfulness is so important of infusing that into like the deepest parts of your brains is like stop wait be aware think like yes. don't just auto react autopilot you through your whole life totally and that like loops us to from mindfulness to our our second m like mothering or motherhood mm-hmm. whatever we've had. it's like most of the time i know a lot of parents we just resort to the way that we were raised Oh my gosh, yes. Or shame our children or belittle them. Like, I am the big and you are the little. And I I see it. I see it in like my sisters around me. I see it and oh, I just see it in people. And I think being mindful of that too is sometimes just seeing it and noticing, oh my gosh, that's not the direction that I want to go. Right. Like in getting this awareness into your mothering, into being a parent. And you know, if there's fathers listening, this could apply to you too, by the way. But we're both mothers, so we're speaking from our personal experience. Exactly. So, yes. but um, yeah, like infusing that awareness into like, why am I reacting this way to my child? Like, it's so hard to avoid that autopilot. Like, for ex- like, I was spanked as a child, and I decided I didn't want to spank my own kids because it just it's a violence, like a physical. And yet, with both of the kids I've raised, there was points where I literally just like. My brain went back and I spanked him like I would have been yeah. spanked myself. And I was like, yes. what the, what the heck am I doing? Yes. yes. And then having to go back and say, look, I'm, and I had to tell my son, like, I did hit you when I was angry and that was wrong. And I was hit as a child because my parents, they were probably hit too. And, you know, they carried it's a it cycle. on. It's a and cycle. it's like, it triggers me that I even did that. And there was like short periods of time where I did that to Cedar when I was just at the end of my ropes. And later we've talked about it and said like, no, that was wrong. I'm so sorry. We don't hit people. We never use physical. Mindful mothering. Yes. And so that is the link of like being aware, being able to go back and say, look, you know, I messed up. I'm willing to confess that and willing to change. And I'm also not perfect. And it gives our children permission to know that we're not perfect. And we're never going to be. And we all fuck up. Yep. Right? And then I see that cycle on, like, so I have two boys and a girl. And my boys are so at a point where, how old are they? Nine and seven. They're so physically aggressive. And they beat the shit out of each other. And then Junie comes in, too. And she gets scrappy with them. Like, I went yeah, to Yeah, the older sister. Yeah. Totally. Well, I went to Jess our, our soul sister friends to do an early morning yoga. We've been getting together and doing these early morning things so we don't have kids. You at Cedar? Yes, I would have been there. You would have been there. But, so they like called me in the middle of my practice, but I was thinking if I was taking a yoga class or teaching a yoga class, I wouldn't answer. So I saw her phone mm-hmm. and I was like, or her call, and I said, I'm not going to take it. And then I found out, oh, well, Jack was screaming and Junie pinches Jack and then Milo whacks Jack and Jack was crying for 45 minutes. 
And I get home and they're just bawling. And Rex had left like maybe 20 minutes before that he was there. But I'm like, what are you guys doing? What? Like, Junie, you are in charge. Like, you're kind of like the mama, the babysitter, and you're hurting. So, like, this whole, like, cycle of, like, the physical violence and the things. And even though it's something that I don't do on my kids, but I will fuck up and be like, my little bap on the head. I'm like, okay, Shelly, stop. Stop what you're doing. But then I see it like a cycle in them and they want to physically act out on each other. Yeah. To and express I, themselves. I honestly feel like that's an important part of a child's development is learning to not you know not go down the road of physical response of physical aggression or physical attack you know it's so hard like you know kids just they push away or that sort of leads to hitting and and teaching them another way is hard but you have to first show it yourself you know you first have to show that there's other ways you know not you don't have to spank you know you can and I love this idea too of instead of a time out calling it a time in Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've heard of that concept before, but it's sort of like saying, wait, let's stop everything. And instead of sending you away and banishing you, which is sort of like saying, you are bad, get away from us. Mm-hmm. There's all this like rejections, you know, built into that. And saying like, kind of like time out, let's call a meeting and let's talk about this and okay. let's hug and let's get to the bottom, like let's sort of get to a, a resolution. Yeah. And so like, I use this a lot all throughout the day because Cedar has these little mini meltdowns yes. and I she would react very badly to just being banished to her room and I've you know occasionally had to do that like in yes. the moment like you are attacking the dog and causing well, and all this I drama be around you and I need some space and yes. yes and she doesn't handle it well she's like throws things at the door and kicks and cries and screams and it's just like she's feeling rejected and abandoned and it's not okay for her like she just doesn't can't she way. can't process that well and I've learned instead it's better to just be like, come here, you know, sit on my lap or sit next to me and we'll physically be close and we'll talk about what's going on. Yes. And that always tends to resolve like most of the issues. Like, yes, sometimes I have to lay down some consequences. Um, like last night we went out to water the plants and she got out there first and started watering the cat. Yeah, we're not watering the cat. And I was like, yeah, you know, like water. we don't treat pets unkindly. That's a really big sticking point for me like we don't hurt animals and so she immediately lost her privilege of helping water the plants and that freaked her out but i was like it's a good consequence it's a consequence you you misuse the water so you don't get to use the water tonight good you can use it again tomorrow did she she respect you oh she cried she threw a huge fit you'd 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 think it was the end of the world you're sticking like a hot poker on her toes oh god (laughs) It's, you'd think I was torturing her, like peeling her toenails off or something, how much she was crying about that. And I was like, it's just a watering can. But well, at least that she respected that because Milo is at this age now where he's like, no, I'm going to name water. I'm still watering. And he's getting big. He yeah. comes up to like my lips now and he gets really mad and he like shakes and get a, gets aggressive. And actually, it's so funny you said that because I did that with him yesterday. I was sending him to his room and then I was like, no, come and sit by me. And I was oh, trying to like mm-hmm. talk to him and work it out. And he does this thing where he shakes and purses his lips and he's like, I'm so angry. And so I just tried to like, same thing, like just like talk it out with him. And then I was talking about natural consequences of things like natural consequence. Like you play with fire, you could start a fire. You cross the road without looking, you could get hit by a car. Maybe those were the worst case scenarios. But still that's but those are natural right. consequences versus punishments because i because i used to say 
your punishment is this. And I've recently switched to mindful mothering, coming back to mm-hmm. consequence, which I like that much better. Yeah. And try to make it, what I try to do is make it as natural of a flow. Like it flows out of that naturally. Like you did, like if you misused something or you made a bad choice with something, which I don't like to say bad or, you know, certain trigger words like that. I say like made a bad choice or didn't have the best reaction or, you know, like kind of more descriptive of Mm -hmm. what's actually going on and like have it be related to that. Like what, what did they use or misuse or do with, you know, or if they were like, she was about to watch a movie, but then all of a sudden acted super nasty, horrible, but like, okay, you know what? Actually, I just changed my mind. That movie is a privilege to get to watch that. And we're not going to watch that right now. And that, you know, that's a huge freak out. It's a family. huge freak out mode, but it's like I stick by my guns. My kids know this. Like I, once I've made up my mind, they cannot convince me. That's really good. And that's like way better than our programming of just like hollering or screaming. And like something I've noticed is one of my sisters, she's just recently started saying to the kids, you should be ashamed of yourself. Oh, that one really triggers me. Oh my God, it's hardcore. It's like, so you're just seeding shame. And I know she doesn't mean to. Like, she's such a good mom, and I right? love her, and she's great with her kids. That's one of those things I'm like, stop saying that. And then I noticed my other sister yesterday, I was at her house, and she went to say it, but she stopped. She said, you should be. And then she said, no. Like, she stopped. Mm. And she noticed it. And after she was done with her kids and because they were getting online on their phones, like her two boys just got a phone and they got on some really inappropriate game that was like called, I don't know, I don't know like blame the game, but Play. it was like a game about like different stages in your life. And when they were 43, they like had a one night stand and they could like lick uh, the person's leg or groin. And these are little boys. They shouldn't be no, when they playing did, those no, games. Yeah. They also, my sister gave them a phone that has an app store and it's a free game. So you know, it's kind of like, yeah, the boys need to know their boundaries, but they're just kids. And if they have something in front of them that they're like, ooh, look at this Shanna thing. I'm going to see what's inside. Totally. Like, they're just kids. By the way, there are apps out there. Like, I had one for my son's phone that you can disable their ability for them to download anything. That's you have set wondering. time limits on certain things. Like, it's really cool. Which that I feel like is a must. Yeah, like if you have young kids with phones, and I just turned it off of my 15-year-old's phone, but I'm like, maybe I should turn it back on. Oh, I would keep it on. Because he just, he just sits there and plays the same games over and over, but I can't trust that he's like always going to just play totally. Call of Duty. I mean, that's like my 13-year-old nephew, and I can't even believe that I'm saying this, but he was at my house probably like a month ago, and he got, he said, Mom, I got this weird text, and he comes upstairs bawling his ass off. And we were like, what, Kelton? Um, there's a straight up like porn woman spread eagle boobs out with a dildo. And we were like, On his phone? On his so he was obviously looking at porn. And they and yes, they, they you know. know, you know you <laughs> and they sent it, I don't know if they sent it text or sent it creepy was, though. Yeah. And then my sister had a talk with him because he was bawling because he knew first of all he was gonna get in trouble. And he was like he was actually kind of like afraid and probably liked what he saw. Right. Like, well, and that's, so she, yeah. she had to talk to him and be like, Kelton, have you been watching stuff like this? And he was like, I have to admit, <laughs> I was watching like, oh my gosh. And she didn't have any boundaries. Like, hello, you give 
a 13-year-old a full range of the internet, they'll go and find some porn. They are. Boys, yeah, and girls, those anyone. any like games that they're on, maybe that'll pop up in the bottom corner on YouTube or yes. I mean, I don't know. I actually don't like I think that they have my service for this broadband internet. Mm-hmm. They have the option to block those websites or not, which is kind of weird, but I said I sure, go yes, for it because why not? Like I'm not interested in it and i have a son so i mean mean, just thinking of my little nephew like i you know obviously been in his life since he was like conceived i'm like how are you are you old enough to like look at porn and no and that's the thing about being a mindful parent is that she sat down and talked to him about it Hmm. and he was open enough to not just be like cowering like i didn't do that and defensive and lie he was open and that's the difference, I think, between, like, me, my sisters, you, and your parents, Sarah. Right? Like, we hid we things. About, yeah. yeah. We, I would lie. I would never tell the truth. I was terrified because I would be shamed. I would be guilty. Oh I would be made to feel, like, awful and, like, a bad person. Like, you are a bad person. Right. Well, and I think that, like, You're it's important person. to talk about that, like, the shame part. Yes. Because I think a lot of us were parented from this place of shame and guilt, and we're actually going to get into that in our next podcast, um, Brene Brown's book, The Gift of Imperfection. So I started re-listening to it, and she's we so freaking good. Oh. She talks about shame versus guilt, mm-hmm. and guilt is like something you did right now, like you're you're guilty over taking that cookie that I told you not to take. Mm-hmm. Shame is over who you are. I'm a you are a dishonest child. You are a bad child. Not just the, what you did, but who That's you shaming. are. Shaming is mm-hmm. like the bigger, broader who Deep you are, seated. right? And so that's especially why I find that so triggering when you say you should be ashamed yes. to a child. You're like telling them there's something wrong with you yes. that you have to have shame about. And I, oh, I get so mad about well, that. And something that popped out to me, I was listening to that book yesterday too, is that she talks about like in parenting when we're talking to our children or even you, Sarah, it's like not that I'm upset with you as a person. Like mm-hmm. I'm upset with, or Kelton, like I'm not upset with you as a person for looking at porn, but I'm upset with your actions that you chose to make those decisions. And so it was like, you're not, sh- it's, I don't know. It's like this roundabout, not roundabout, but this healing way towards working around shame and just like bringing in like integrity into who we are as a person. It's like, okay, you, yeah, no, your actions. And so it's like hard to explain, but you know what I'm talking about? Yes, exactly. And that's, I I love that. Just like, it's not you, it's your actions and you can change your actions because really who you are, I know who you are, buddy. Like you're a sweet, creative, awesome, fun guy who has some curiosities. And we all make bad choices. Right. And so teaching kids that, it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to recognize that and do something different so you don't experience those same consequences again, right? Right. But you are yourself, like, are a good person. And I think that, like, I was born with this kind of built-in shame around you're born a sinner, yes. you're dirty, God doesn't want you unless Jesus' blood pure. covers you and all this stuff. And, like, the shame of all that, that you grow up thinking, like, I'm evil. I'm awful only someone else can make me better you know and that's yeah and it's taken me a long time to work through that and so toxic it's so toxic and so but I think that even if 
kids aren't in religious environments, they can still be in these sort of shaming environments where it's like everything you do is, and shame and guilt are used to the extreme max to control because it is very controlling. Like the guilt that you feel will control you even when you're outside of the, you know, pen or whatever. It's interesting too because so like my birth mother would do fucked up things and lie and deceive and do all of these things and then shame us for doing similar things. And so it would be like we were a mirror of her and she would call us bad and we would get in trouble. We were horrible people, awful things. And when we got old enough, it started with like name calling shame. Like we would, if we wanted to wear skirts or makeup, we'd wear sluts. I didn't know what a slut was. And my sister gets her period and she hides it from from our birth mom because she's, terrified because we were so shamed on sex and our bodies and then it was oh great now you can get pregnant and that's her response of my sister getting her period not oh my gosh you're turning into a woman how lovely like let's celebrate let's talk about it and yeah and then there's like that toxic shame around sex and puberty that I experienced like every time I was with a boy my parents assumed we were doing bad things and that Funny. everything like was just suddenly suspicious. Everything because I was a teenager, sex. and they just thought, you know, and no, I, did they know you really were fuckers? <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually waited till I was nineteen years old to have I sex. I, well, but the opening chapter on your book when you're sixteen. But of course, I was thinking about that stuff. I that. Yes, like, see I see his penis, I, and I can't stop thinking about that. it in church. I, I know. Love how you, at first, I was like, "Where is she going?" At? But I loved how you and you have like that metaphor of that fly. You're like in church, and the flies like. Wham, 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 hitting the window. It gives yeah. goosebumps. Your first chapter nice. is fucking spot on. It's Thank so you. good. It's really good. Yeah, I'm so excited to get it all wow. edited. But yeah, there's like, so I, that's that perfect example of that shame. So I'm sitting in church under my father's preaching, <laughs> trying so hard not to think about this penis that I'd seen. Yeah. Accidentally, I right. walked into the bathroom to get something You're and there was someone in there. There's a penis orbit. And like, I just, you know, I was young, 15. I, experiencing like you know sexual feelings for the first time in my well not first time but you know like that totally. sense of like it's coming that it's happening and yes. yeah and um there's like so much shame and guilt going on inside of me that I keep praying the sinner's prayer over and over oh. again to try to cover up my sinning and so, because your penis gave <laughs> my penis thoughts <laughs> I know you're like I didn't mean to see the penis but it now it's in my head so shit so now there's a pe- now you're like sketching the penis and then gosh I don't <laughs> I remember as a kid though sketching out a penis and then being I so ashamed it. I turned it into a, a water fountain <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I, no I was like, someone's going to see this someone and think I'm bad and naughty. And so I do think there's that sexuality that even young kids have. And it's normal and natural yes. and healthy and so easy to be shamed. It is so, so easy. So easy to be shamed. And even Cedar yesterday was walking around on the porch with just her underwear on. Because it was, it was hot yesterday. Yes. And I said, you could take off your dress if you want. She's like, really? Yes. I said, of course you can. Yes. She's like, well, what if the neighbors see me? I said, sweetheart, you are a little girl. And what's the difference between that and a bathing suit, really? Nothing. The little top? I'm, yes, I mean, totally. shit, you know? I mean, Junie is like 11 and a half now. And she's starting to get little boobs. Like the part around the areola is like fluffy. And she walks around still in her panties and her little boobies. And I am a naked sleeper. I'm a naked person, and I just want her to feel comfortable in her body. And it was funny because same thing. It was hot, 
and Junie like got like heat stroke I think she didn't have enough water yes. and we were driving down the canyon she was like oh mom Ooh. and she was feeling so sick so we get home and she lays down and then her brothers are outside and I'm outside and she comes to the window the window's open there's neighbors out and she's just wearing her little panties and her boobies and I was just I could have said oh my gosh Junie cover up your boobs no, I just let her do what she felt comfortable with. And I didn't give a fuck. And I love that she didn't care either. Yeah. It's about letting kids be, yeah, like what fine. their comfort level is. Like yes. not making your own comfort level into something they should be like, yes. you know. And obviously I, I have to like go up to that. Looking at her pedophiles, but I felt sick. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so we talked today even about like clothing and what its use is. And I was like, you know, it's there to protect us from sunburn and bug bites and scratches when and we're on weather, hikes. And, you know, cold. like, can you imagine going down a slide naked and she, like, laughs so hard at that? It's like, you know, I said talk. clothes are for us to be comfortable and to be safe and, you and know, warm. And, yeah, co- colorful things that we like. Your personality can show But through. I said they're not there to keep your body hidden from other people. That's not the reason for clothes. Because I feel like one time she was at this the playground and she lifted her dress up and showed her underwear. And this little girl she was with, like, went, oh, I see your underwear. And, like, her mom, ran her away. Mom and Sierra looked at me and she's like, oh, she ran away from me. Um, and I said, you know what, honey? I said, that has nothing to do with you. Yeah. Absolutely her not. Mom that shamed her. Her own programming. But I didn't say that to her. But I was like, you know, that's, that's mm-hmm. on her. That's not on you. Well, and it's hard because if you walked around naked you would get arrested. Well, that's true. In most states, though, you can walk around topless, male or female. Is that free the tatas? Yeah. I mean, it actually is a thing, though. Like, in most, I think a lot of states have adopted that. I just heard about the free the tatas, and I didn't (laughs) know about that. My sister told me, like, oh. And she said, yeah, you can walk around topless in Denver. Oh, yeah, you sure can. I don't want to walk around topless, but good job. If you want to free your tatas and walk around Denver topless, go for it. Exactly. There's too much shaming of women's breasts, whereas men are allowed to just expose their and little there are nipples of wherever. Men who have breasts? Sure. Like, Your boobies are bigger than mine. Right. Good I'm true. like, what's the difference? <laughs> it's true. So it's I true. do feel like there's that shaming that I'm glad is coming out of our culture because that just tells girls there's something wrong yes. with their nipples versus men's nipples. It's true. And thank you to Brene Brown for doing her deep work. Oh my gosh. Yes. She's so deep. And Sometimes I get overwhelmed by all of her research and her things. I'm like, oh, you just, she really just. She comes at it like scientifically. She's very sciencey. Which I love that she goes into these heart type topics from this really like researchy type. It is. It's so different. So I'm excited to do that podcast with you. It will be good. Yeah. Let's go to our, what's our third M? So the third one is multitasking. And I think it fits in well with this because one thing is I struggle with being a multitasker like obsessively. Totally. Even when I know it's not healthy for me. But we were trained good. to be multitaskers. Because, yeah. I mean, the research shows now that it doesn't actually work. You don't get more done. <laughs> you get less done overall. It takes you, like, a fourth of the time long, or, like, three times longer than it would to, to just focus. Yeah, focus but I think we have been trained that because we are the wife, the mom, and now we're business owners, and then a side job, and, like, I teach yoga on the side. We're supposed to be doing all of these things, and we're supposed to be perfect perfect at all of oh them. my gosh yeah and like, oh and we're supposed to cook the kitchen and then when you have the baby change the diaper and then feed the dog and cl- keep the house clean 
it's like those step for wives and moms like that expectation has been just like so like brought up that we are supposed to be these grand multitaskers but it's a lie I'm, we're calling bullshit on bullshit <laughs> i mean yes sometimes you do have to do it just I mean, because I that's like i wake this the kid up i stop by the washer throw a load in come up quickly load the dishwasher then get the other kid up and then you know like there's multitasking just built into my brain at this point and I don't even think about it, right? There's totally. probably you as a mom do too. I, like you don't even think about it. you just the laundry so needs to be started, you just start yeah. it somewhere on your way somewhere else and, oh, and then you're like, switch oh, it wait. and oh. like, I always make sure I drink a mason jar. It's like thirty two ounces of water. That and is really the good. other morning, yeah, I started that habit because it's a really good habit. I need that habit. It's a really good habit. You can start it. It's a lot in my book too. I write a lot about water. But I'll do the same thing. The other day I was like Oh, let the dog out. Oh, start the laundry. And I don't do well when my kitchen is like a clusterfuck. So I'm like, oh, I must clean the kitchen. And I'm like, wait, Shelly, you haven't had your water. You haven't done your meditation. Mm-hmm. Like, I like to at least sit for five minutes. I'm like, I can give myself five minutes. But the other morning, it was like, must do, must do, must do. And then, no, stop, stop, stop doing. Yes. And just be. <laughs> I keep, I have struggled between in the mornings, I try to, I want to be more mindful and do some meditation and some stretching but I also feel like the pull of like oh I'm fresh I have energy I'm gonna get all this stuff done and I get pulled in between those and I know my day goes better if I actually stop and take that time in the morning but there is a big temptation to just jump right in and get that day going I always this is like it's almost like a message that flashes, like, you know, like those Amber Alerts in my mind. It's like, <laughs> Shelly, you are the most creative the first four hours that you're awake. So I almost like most of the time I will not do any cleaning until like noon or one. Nice. And anything else I make my kids do, I'm really good at delegating. Not that they do the job that I want them to, but I always just like remind myself of that, that I will have the rest of the afternoon to clean or to do laundry or whatever, even if I have to put off making my bed. Like when your brain is more mushy. <laughs> my brain is more mushy. And this week, I've actually started for the last two weeks, our friend Jess and I, we've been going on, we went on two hikes last week and two hikes this week and then did one yoga this week. And that is awesome. So that means I had to wake up at 545, which I was like, oh, I'm tired. But the sun was up, shining, it's beautiful, the birds are chirping drink my water, do my little meditation, like sit for a few minutes and then get my water. And then I get to just take time for me. And just, we did yoga today for like an hour and a half. And it was fucking awesome. That's awesome. And there was no kids. Her dogs were being little stinkers. So she had to put them outside of the gate because they, of course, are like, give us attention. You're on the ground. Dogs always think yoga is dog (laughs) playtime. It was so great. And we did just like a, we started in the Matsyandrasana, which is a supported fish that we've done before. And Mm -hmm. you take a bolster or a blanket or pillows and you put them behind your bottom and then you release your back down and you could put your legs flat or you can like kind of join your knees together or do a butterfly and you just drape your heart open. And we did that for probably like eight minutes before we started. So it was almost like a movement, like a supported meditation, mindfulness practice, which I was thinking that if you were up for it, that do you want to do a little mindfulness practice with our listeners? I think that's a great idea. Okay, so So just to give an idea of like what it is instead of talking about it, like Yeah, and maybe just just a little snippet. So Sarah and I had this idea that we'll start I'll start with just like kind of a little practice that you can follow along with. And then we would love to encourage just 
We're going to do 30 seconds of stillness. So that means just 30 quiet. seconds of quiet, 30 seconds of just sitting with whatever is swirling around your mind, whatever is feeling in your body. And I know it can be something that can be a big anxiety riser for a lot of people, but know that you can't do this wrong. There's no right or wrong way. It's just showing up with us. Yeah. And I think of it like this is the way a meditation teacher put it to me. It's like this is your time to observe what happens when you just try to, when you just stop thinking. And thoughts naturally arise like bubbling up from the ground almost and you just notice them. Totally. And then you let them flow away from you. So So I'll just start and just wherever you are, just try to find a comfortable seat. So maybe you need to shift your butt cheeks. Maybe if you want to allow yourself to lay down or sit in a comfy chair. And you can even do this if you're driving. Just make the road the focus of your attention. Obviously, still be paying attention to the lines and the cars and all of the things around you. Not good for city driving. Yeah, it would be better to pause and come back. But you can definitely do this while you're driving. So just root into your seat. Maybe find your feet flat on the earth or find a comfortable seat. And I really just encourage you to soften your gaze by just blinking your eyelashes a few times and then allowing them to get heavy and close. And if that's something that feels really hard for you today, you can find a still visual point. You can look down at the ground, but really try to only look out at the bottom sliver of your eyes. Just allow yourself to just take a breath for the first time today that you notice it. So bring that inhale in through the nose. And just feel your exhale. Notice what it sounds like. Notice what it feels like. And now we're just going to bring our awareness, just kind of spiraling from that breath. We're going to start at the very top of the head. And just allow yourself to just notice what does it feel like in your head today? Just kind of almost like we take a spiral, maybe it's like a light or a ribbon that's just slowly spiraling around. Notice what it feels like in your forehead. Notice the nose, notice the eyes, maybe they want to make a squishy face. Notice your chin, notice your jaw, notice the wetness of the tongue. And just feel into the face. And we're doing our best here to just notice without judgment or thinking we're doing things wrong or there's something wrong with us. Slowly bringing that spiral into the neck. And maybe if it feels good, if you need to do a little movement, you can move your head to the side. You can shake your head a little yes. You can shake it no. And just allow yourself to feel, what is your neck feeling like today? What is the throat? Maybe take a little gulp. Swallow your spit and notice it for the first time. There it is. That's mindfulness right there. Scanning into your shoulders. What is it feeling like in that physical part? 
yourselves and what you're feeling tight or holding on to anything. And just for a moment, I want you to take the next 30 seconds to just sit with this body and this mind. I know that Sarah and I are so through with you. And if it's really hard for you, maybe bring the focus on your breath. Or you could even catch a mantra. bringing your awareness into your body so you can just sit in a curly pose and still with your eyes closed if you can I just want you to notice notice all the resistance that welled up or perhaps maybe notice if you were allow yourself permission to grab onto that silence and ride the wave and just allowing yourself to just be okay with whatever it was that you felt and know that you're just doing the best that you can and we all are just exactly where we need to be maybe just putting a hand on your heart maybe just saying a kind thought to yourself it could be as small as just I love you or maybe just allowing your lips to curl up into a little smile and giving yourself a little compassion and love in this moment and you could just slowly Allow your eyelash at the back open, if you'd like to. And just come back into the space where you are. And just notice now, with your eyes open, notice what you see. Notice maybe a person sitting next to you. I know for me, when I come out of a practice like that, everything seems more clear and fresh. And I yeah. feel like I have a route, like I'm here. Right. The, the air always seems clearer to me, and I don't understand, like, What's the difference? But it is. I think it's because you go inside, and then from inside, then you're allowed to see the outside world from just this grounded perspective of just. Right. But isn't that the perfect metaphor, too, for like how much more clearly you can see unseen things? Like, mm. I can see better how to react to things or not react to things yeah. or respond to things instead of react, which is really what I want to be doing. Right. And it's so much clearer, like my vision, just like on the outside, is so much clearer on the inside, too. 
And I feel like it's more from the heart than it is from the head, from the ego. Mm-hmm. And I think that was something, too, that turned me off of that word mindful is, like, a lot of times in yoga, like, we talk about freeing ourselves of the monkey mind. Yes. And so I had a friend told me, who told me in a class, it was like, you're moving from your mind into your body. And for me, that resonates because I'm like, oh, I could feel into my body. But I have a sister who off and on struggles with hypochondria, which is like fear of illness and things. And so I tried helping her with that practice. And for her, it was really hard because when she feels into her body, it sends a signal to her brain that something's wrong and that there's an illness. So that could resonate for some people, but it also could be a trigger. So you have to know that. Find right. the balance. Or think of it as moving, yourself. yeah, from your mind awareness into your heart awareness. That, and that's it's honestly another... what resonated with me at first. Yeah. Like, I can move into my heart. Yeah. I can move into my space of love. And there's a lot of research that shows how, like, our heart has, like, almost like decision-making capabilities like our brain in true, like, in medical, physical world. Interesting. Um, for example, I read some article about heart transplants and how... Oftentimes, a person getting receiving the heart transplant would start to take on some of the desires and um, hobbies and interests of the person whose heart they receive. Isn't that weird? Which shows that there's some consciousness, there's some part of our like being inside of our actual physical heart. It's not just a thing. Maybe some of our soul resides in the physical heart. And maybe that's where like our emotional decision making really arises from. And then our brain and it kind of like comes together into like what we do. Mm. Our brain decides some things, but we can also say like how much. (laughs) Yeah. Like maybe the brain is always overthinking things and the heart truly knows. Yeah. Well, and in yoga, in my yoga teacher training, we learned about, it's called your anahata in Sanskrit and it's the energetic heart. And some people in my training did not resonate with that. They're like, I have no idea what that means. Like, I I can't even, like, go there. And for me, it's like, I think I can tap into that. It's just like, I don't know, it's almost like you can feel, it's just love, like that vibration of love around you. Mm-hmm. And whether it's, you know, in the physical heart or whether it's the soul or spirit or whatever resonates. Because, I mean, it's such a huge spectrum like when you talk about the heart and the energetic heart and things and I think you just have to go with what resonates or what lands with you yes exactly you don't have to think like oh god there's something wrong with me because I can't feel my energy like have you, I don't know if you've ever experienced that like someone have you taken a class and someone's like feel your energy and you're like I can't feel my energy some people can and some people can't yeah I don't know I mean I usually feel like I'm pretty in touch with that but yeah which I am too but I've learned for people who aren't, you can actually just like you clap your hands together and then you literally rub your hands like you're warming up for like a cold day. Oh. And if you literally try it, just like, okay. just like rub your hands, listeners, just like rub your hands rub together, just like yep, for like a couple seconds, rub, 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 like you're really cold and then pause and then slowly peel your hands apart. And that's energy. Can you mm. feel that? Yeah. I mean, I would challenge you that if you can't feel it, I'm not saying there's anything wrong. But I would challenge you that if you can't feel that you can feel it, that's just your energy. That's your body's energy. Well, have you ever done qi, like the practice of... I've done qigong. Qigong, yeah, exactly. Okay, like, I have, yes. Well, I've done it in qigong and in tai chi where you okay. work with qi energy. I love qi. And it's so interesting, like, how you can really feel it. Like, it's really there. It's yeah. interesting. It's so cool. Well, and it's interesting in our culture 
like, and that's another, like, kind of twist on mindful. Like, our culture doesn't as much acknowledge energy and chi and things like that. Mm-hmm. But you can, you can summon it up. And just like when you're coming out of that mindfulness, meditation, practice, whatever you want to call it. Sarah and I were actually talking about, what would you rename mindfulness? Yes. <laughs> so maybe if you have any comments, what would you name? Heartfulness. Mindfulness. Heart, yeah, heartfulness. <laughs> but that's a good one, Sarah. I just came up with that. I love heartfulness. I like that yeah. too, but it's like awarenessness. 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 <laughs> where you like put to, to second power. Because yeah, I don't know. It is. It's just like allowing yourself to just show up and be and to feel, like to feel what it feels like. Mm-hmm. And even I think of like my sister and her, you know, she struggles with like, oh, my arm is hurting. Like maybe just feel into like, what is your arm trying to communicate with you? Because I, not everyone believes in this, but there's like Louise Hay who wrote You Can Heal Your Life. And so she says that our bodies do have physical response to our mental and emotional states. And obviously there's environmental pollutants and food pollutants and water pollutants right. that causes things. But maybe sometimes in those moments where our body is sending you this like signal or, you know, even like there's a manifestation for like cutting your index finger. And I have found, like, legitimately, like, nine times out of ten, it's right for me. And it's, like, maybe you could just ask, like, what is my body telling me? Like, what my arm is hurting. Like, what is my body telling me? And to me, my arms are connected to my ability to love and heal. So mm. it's, like, maybe what am I shutting down in my life? Or who am I shutting down in my life that maybe I could be open to, like, loving and understanding and healing with? Yeah. Lots of questions. You can Lots ask of questions. Yourself. And so... The connection to like mindfulness in the motherhood, I think sometimes is really like it's hard. Like we like you said, we get into those autopilot like parenting mode or whatever from our parents, their parents. And then how do you stop? And how do you like in the moment your child is triggering you or you're just feeling completely freaking overwhelmed because there's like I've got a two part time jobs now, music writing this publishing company and all of our you know podcast blog you know and then mothering on top of that and then pets and the house you know i'm paying for and keeping up and doing all the chores for the house on my own because i'm the only adult here you know and just it starts to feel overwhelming and i actually had this day you know you were there on tuesday where i just like i thought i was sick i think there was half was your manifestation pollen Honestly, I was super, until I took a Benadryl that day, I was like, just. Does a Benadryl make you want to knock out? Like, did you fall it asleep? made me a little sleepy, but honestly, the pollen was making it worse. worse. It was like totally. so overwhelming. My throat was clogging up and I just like, oh, I finally broke down and took some Benadryl. Like all of that overwhelm was just like. And oh. then on top of that, I was feeling like one, having like imposter syndrome. I felt like, you know, have you ever dealt with that where you feel like you don't deserve something or like. You're not good enough to do something. Yeah, definitely. And I struggle with that. And multitasking and taking on too many things. And I said no to something. I got something off my plate. Oh, good. Because you do help. I took Benadryl. I did. I took care of myself. But I had a really rough day where I just was like, I can't do it. I can't. I can't do it all. And I don't know if I'm good enough. And the pollen is killing me. And, you know, just like everything just starts to overwhelm i don't know my heart is sensitive and we're in this where you just have joined this like 14 week like women's business group with sarah Menares, and 
wasn't it great yes, to like it was awesome to show up in that space and like one of the women who's actually my accountability buddy for it she was just like you are with your tribe of people like yeah. I loved how she said that just like you're with like fellow women who are struggling who have kids that's what I love businesses. too is like all those women in that group either by fate or because Sarah put us all kids. together we all have kids we're all trying to run a business from like that parenting multitasking blah 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 mode and it was awesome because I almost didn't go I almost was like I can't go I don't feel good and I was like you know what I can fucking okay. go from I my bed for an hour and, and that's fine too I was like where's Shelly what the fuck <laughs> I was just having like a but morning but I showed up anyways I didn't turn my camera on because I just felt like really vulnerable and I just was like at you least did, I'm I know. there I was like Sarah where's your face I just felt really yeah it's okay I wasn't feeling good that's okay but what was awesome was I just kind of shared what was happening with me and they were awesome support like oh my gosh I've been there maybe you're taking on too much and it's okay to let things go and like sometimes you just need to hear that permission like yes so I want to know like what do you think are some top couple of tips on like mothering and mindfulness together like what are some things that you do to infuse that mindfulness piece hmm, I feel stumped like how do I bring that yeah. together or how like, can like encourage other people? How do you yeah, what do you do specifically that you think is mindful in your mothering? Mindful in my mothering. I feel like definitely actually listening to my children and trying to understand them because I know it's so easy to like resume that I am the mother and you are the child. Right. Listen up. I'm telling that. you something here. Yes. Yeah. And with everything that we have going on, boundaries like healthy mm. boundaries, like mm-hmm. creating those healthy boundaries that I work from home and like I have to, right now I'm writing and you need to go and play and I love you and I know that, you know, maybe you're feeling like sad and you need me and I'm going to carve out time later for that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, obviously if someone is like bleeding everywhere, I will stop and do that. But like, I think those healthy boundaries are essential because we will get nothing done if we don't have them. And I have my kids 24-7 all of the time. So I have to have those boundaries. Like, I have to. And my kids get mad at me and they yell at me and they'll call me names and say, all I care about is my computer. And I just, all you care about is your phone and your computer and you're on Facebook. I'm like, yeah. I have a business to run. Oh, and I literally will sometimes blow up. But then coming back to being a mindful mom is that I feel like I apologize and I talk it out Mm -hmm. so I think communication right would be another one it's just communicating like I have to have this open open line of communication with my kids and not just assume that they know or assume the worst yeah what is yours what do you feel like um yeah I would say like just kind of tuning into the moment teaching them how to tune into that moment instead of you know, glossing over things or moving past it, be like, wait, what, you know, what did you just say? I'm like, do you really feel that way? Let's talk about that. Like really opening up those conversations and it takes time to build up that trust. I think that you're not going to have the wrong reaction and you're not going to shame or guilt or punish. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but the way, one way I put it into my mothering is to just like make it okay to talk about whatever and communication again yeah like in that moment too of like like let's talk about this and work it out instead of 
I'm going to lay down a punishment and we're going to never talk about that again. (laughs) And then I would say like really showing them that it's okay to be who they are and not living up to these expectations, like being real and authentic and Mm -hmm. saying, you are yeah, human, you make mistakes. That's what makes us human. And I say like, if we didn't make, if we didn't make mistakes, like would we even be human? No, we'd be right? robots. Yeah, we'd be robots. So Robots like, even make mistakes and have glitches and right. freeze-ups and viruses. Totally. Nothing's yes. really perfect. And so try to like let go of that. And if you're one of those fastidious housekeeping moms that shames dirt and kids are just naturally dirty, like that could be a scar for them. Yeah. And I get that, but still, like there's things you just have to let go. And schedules and cleaning and... Even plans sometimes have to be let go. If like flexibility, yes. You have to be flexible. So flexibility, awareness, communication. Yep. This is a good question too. So I have a son, my middle son, and he is, oh, he is so challenging. From the moment he wakes up, he is like, when do we get to go to the cousins? When do I get to play for Kristen Hoff? When do we? Can I watch a movie? Can I move that? He's so trying to be somewhere else. Mm-hmm. He is doing whatever he can to not be present in where he is. And then once we, like, get there, then he'll complain about something else. And I struggle with that. That's hard. And I have a nephew, my 13-year-old that we were talking about earlier, does the same thing. So I see that similarity in them. And it is so hard. And sometimes I will freak out on him. And other times, like, I will just communicate and be like, Milo, this is what we're doing. And you need to just show up here. And maybe it's boring to be at home and yeah, it's boring to make your bed and do your dishes and whatever, but this is where we are and you need to show up at home like just as much as you want to show up for hiking or climbing or biking or your friends. Like we have to teach them too that life isn't always just like full of events and entertainment because kids have been so trained that they need to be entertained. Especially, yeah, with media these days. It is so hard. Honestly, Sarah been like locking it down and I have not been letting my kids have any media until like four or five. I'm like, no, we're not spending all summer on me on screens because we're doing homeschool on a screen. Like, no, you go be free, you play, and he will roll around on the fucking floor. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. And I feel like I'm doing my best, but I struggle hard, man. Like, yeah. Uh, it's hard. What would you say? Help, I mean, please. <laughs> yeah, I do. I like they have made it so that it's so addicting. They're so good at making it addicting, and these kids, it's like crack cocaine for their little brains. Oh God, it is. And you know, it's hard too because we're I'm a single mom, and you're you are with your kids all the time while your yeah. husband's at work, mm-hmm. and it's like the go-to babysitter. You're like, okay, I need to get something done, and you. You know, I've tried to divert Cedar to something first, but then, like, if that else fails and I'm really involved, it's like, fine, just go watch the show. Of course, <laughs> because... I will break down sometimes, and they'll ask me so many times, so many times, I'm like, no, 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 yeah. like, fucking fine! Fine! <laughs> yeah! Like, here, I'm here, and my kids are home watching a movie because I need to be here. Yeah. Actually, Milo went to work with Rex, which he loves, and I'm so grateful that That's he awesome. to do that because he has to, like, be respectful and, like, he'll help him. He'll, like, get down and, like put on outlet covers and stuff but yeah i have two kids at home i mean junie's 11 and a half and she can most of the time if she's not pinching her brother and like, <laughs> swatting 
It's so hard. No hitting them. I know. Well, I won't even, I mean, I have a 15-year-old, and I could ask him to babysit while I go to work, but I don't trust him for that long. Like, for, I'll leave him with her for an hour or two or, you know, short periods, but like five or six hours is just way too long because I, he's not always nice, Mm -hmm. and I don't, like, he gets distracted too easily. Yeah. And I don't know. But, it's, yeah, it's hard. And it's just, everyone's so different. But, like, Milo, he's only nine, and he has all these weird things. He is such a good, attentive brother. Like, that is his life's, like, plan. And, like, he loves babies and little kids, and he will, like, I'm like, he could be a babysitter. It's weird. Like, he just has, like, that, he's like, mindset focused, around yeah. little kids. He's very compassionate and carry, caring. So it's funny, like, he does these other things, but... I mean, like everyone, he, we have great strengths and weaknesses, but he is like, he will watch Jack and like make sure Jack doesn't get hurt or in trouble. Like he is like a helicopter brother. <laughs> he's only nine. And it's kind a of like a brother. Yeah, he is. He's, and he's like, he's almost a better babysitter than Joni is. Yeah. He is just, he's so attentive and just like, he's like a hawk. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, Milo, this is great because I'm going to have a built-in babysitter. I'm not saying it's bad that you don't, but it's just oh, it's man. interesting. It, every kid's different too. The so, personalities yeah. and character traits of people. And just that goes back to like honoring who they are and yes. like feeding into their strengths. Like I kind of wasn't allowed to necessarily do all the things I wanted to do or be all the things I wanted to be as a kid. And I feel like that's something I can really give to my kids is like, look, I see you. I honor you. And if you want to have it, like my son and I have different political views and different social, like, you know, viewpoints. And we talk and about it, that. but we don't argue. That's I true. let him tell me what he thinks and I tell him what I think. And then we let each other have our own opinions. We don't try to convince each other. And I oh, think that's, that's great. It's healthy yeah. because I'm not trying to create a mini me out of my children. I'm not trying to create a replica. Like I'm like they say, children come to you not to you but through you right and so they're just here for a time and then they're going to go on and live their life and like be who they are anyways so why stifle that now (laughs) just brings us to whole and like sum up this whole beautiful episode of like being a mindful mother there you go it's like that you're you're switching like the paradigm you're Mm -hmm. switching the future for him and you're healing your past present and future self and you're healing cedar's past present future even your mothers and her mothers i really believe that it's like yeah. this healing vibration well it's kind of healing the whole timeline it is. yeah and then just rounding out to our our multitasking thing it's just you know maybe we could be open to recreating that right and being aware i guess that's where like the mindfulness if you're more aware of like why multitasking isn't that helpful and how to reduce it because as mothers like it's gonna be there's just a we certain part of it like you just have to do yeah. but rerouting that to being like you know i'm choosing to multitask right now because it works and then saying like also when i have time and i need to do this more so this is going to be like a checkpoint for me is like i need to focus more when i have blocks of time and just focusing on one thing yes just like getting it done only right now Mm -hmm. i'm not checking emails Mm -hmm. or have you ever done that like that's why i honestly stopped using google docs is because i would have to go into my computer email and then i'd like oh email and then I'm 10 Did you in. know, though, you can log into Google Drive and t- close out the email tab oh. and only have Google Drive open. Okay. And that always helps me. I will me. tell you, I am just having a love affair, though, with Microsoft Word. It's my <laughs> new favorite. I've used Google Docs for, like, seven years. And what did we, I got it maybe, 
I don't know, four months ago, and I really yeah. love, I love the program. I'm really enjoying it. So, yeah, Microsoft Word, please, you can definitely be one of our sponsors. You want to sponsor <laughs> us? We'll talk about you. No. Well, we're so grateful for this topic. This was great. Yeah. All of the things. The three M's. I think it's, yeah, it's really present because for us, we're both all of those things trying to work them all through. So Yes. We're just talking it out like real people, and I appreciate the space that we can hold for each other and yeah. hold for our listeners out there all over the world, but we're so grateful for all of you listeners. Yeah. Well, so good. Doing good things in the world. next podcast is going to be um, Brene Brown's book. We're going to do a book club on that called On the Gifts of Imperfection, which I just love. It is very good. It's about embracing your imperfections instead of accepting. Just accepting is not enough. Embracing them. Embracing yes. them. And it's a pretty easy. I'm listening to it, and it's under five hours. I was like, dang, I can listen to this fast. I know. That's why I was like, I'm just going to listen to it again because I can do it while I'm cleaning or all the things running. So this is when we're choosing to multitask. Yes. Mindfully multitasking. Because, you know, I have ADD. I swear I do because I like to just fill up all of my attention span with things. Like if I'm doing something that doesn't require all of my mind, mm-hmm. I tend to be like, well, I can also be listening to a book or I can also be. Well, and it's true. You and can. It helps you feel balanced properly mm-hmm. when you have that high energy and yeah. that need. It's filling up your, it's like filling up your metaphorical cup. Like you're right. overflowing. So you're like, I'm overflowing everywhere. So it helps you feel balanced. And it does. And so, yeah. but it's like choosing that, choosing the multitask. When to do it? When does it serve you? And, and when does it not serve does it not serving you? Exactly. So well, wonderful. Our friends, we're so excited to meet you back here next week. Yes, we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to Voices Rising Press podcast. We are so grateful for you, and we hope you are gaining insightful content here. Please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and a review. And you can read our blogs and follow us at VoicesRisingPress.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just type in Voices Rising Press. Thanks for tuning in. We'll meet you back here next week.